we're going to do a little bit of a review of what we did last time by way of catching up on that uh, High Holy Day uh, prayer playbill. That's where we're going to start. And then we're going to go right into that Mahzor, go right into the Torah service and into Rosh Hashanah Musaf. We'll see how far we get. It is a beast of a Musaf. So that's what we're going to dig into this week. I think we can get through all of Musaf today. I do. I think we can get all the way through it. But there is some structural stuff for us to explore together. So let's take a look at that prayer playbill first. I, mean, just I thought we were doing Torah service tonight. And, and then you're going to get through Torah and Musaf tonight? Torah and Musaf tonight. We can do both. Yeah, we're going to get through both. Torah service is pretty basic. Yeah. Shofar is in there too, but it's briefer than you think. It's like small but mighty. So... We'll, we'll get there. So we are going to start with the prayer playbill for um, for the morning. We are not going to go back and review Pasuke to Zimra today. We're just going to take a look back at Shacharit for a few minutes. So starting last week, we had an opportunity to look at where we begin in Shacharit, which we begin in earnest at Hamelech. I asked us to review beginning last week that the reason that we named the break there is that that is where our new service leader, our new chazan or shaliyah or shlichat zibor begins there on page 69. That page number has been corrected now. Okay. Then we rise and we go to Yishtabach uh, and follow our way all the way through the normative structure of shachri. And as I keep reminding you, also the normative structure of every mariv, which is a call to worship known as the Baruchu, followed by a structure of two blessings, one about light and one about love, the Shema, another blessing about redemption, and then the Amidah. So that's the structure that we go through. So the first blessing ends in Or Chadash, the second in Ahava Rabbah, right? That ends in Oheva Mo Yisrael, and the last one ending in Ga'al Yisrael, preceded by Michamocha, right? Michamocha leading into Tzor Yisrael, leading into Ga'al Yisrael. We looked at all of that last week, and we got into the Shachari Amidah. One of the reasons that I want us to look so carefully right now, as we look at the structure of the Shachari Amidah, is to remember that just as I asked you to pay attention to how the structure of the Shachari Amidah mimics every other Amidah that you've ever seen ever, so too will the Musaf Amidah mimic that structure. It's just going to have a whole, it's like the difference between a deli sandwich that you get in Los Angeles and a deli sandwich you get in like Brooklyn. You know what I mean? It's like, it's, it's a, th it's a thick Amidah. We're, we're going, we're going bananas with the Amidah. Okay. Amidah on, it's it's interesting, like it's maybe you would anticipate an even thicker Amidah on Yom Kippur because it's such a crazy day of prayer. The way we get to lengthier prayer on Yom Kippur is not by having a lengthier Amidah, but instead, does anyone know? What makes prayer so long on Yom Kippur? Why is there so much more prayer? Extra services. Exactly. Thank you. Exactly. There's an entire additional service. Ne'ilah has its an entire additional Amidah. Okay, so the, the Amidah itself and the services themselves are not so long. They're made a little bit longer by the Salichot, 
by the additional supplications that are added, but those supplications do not amount to as much content as are altogether in the Musaf for Rosh Hashanah. Okay, so I want us to pay attention to what we did last week in anticipation of what the Amidah structure is going to be this coming week. Remember, the I don't I never know my analogies are very mixed. Like the bread, the the like Oreo part of the cookie. I don't know. We'll go with sandwich for right now. But like the bread of the sandwich, the beginning and the close. Right? We're not saying let's not mix up and say peticha and chatima, which we got into last week. The beginning and the close of the Amidah are always going to be the same, right? The approach and the landing are always going to be the same structure. We are always going to butter God up and end with gratitude. So we're always going to get that avot, givurot, kedusha situation. And we're always going to end with a ritzay, modim, sim shalom or shalom rav. Always. Okay. Where's, where's that? Where's my ritzay? Right there. Ritzay really should have like a little blue situation. Let's make that blue. Let's honor Ritzay in that way. There we go. Okay, so the structure is always going to be the same. It begins like this. And then the Shacharit Amidah, as we looked at last week, it has these extra bits in it that we recognize, and it's like, oh, we're there. It's Shacharit of Rosh Hashanah. It must be because we have all of a sudden, we're in a high holy days. We depart midway in a in a vote between a vote and give a vote. We depart into this misodachamim and zochreinu or zochreinu lechayim. We depart midway through for these little bits and pieces of like miniature supplication poetry situation. Remember us for life, God who is desirous of life. Right? We're, we're asking God, eh, we'll ask him, but not, not, not too much because <laughs> we're still in Avot. We're still, we're still playing on our merit. Then give wrote a little similar liturgy to, to typical liturgy, but little departure. And then, a bunch of poetry specific to Rosh Hashanah. Like, why not stop and just smell the Rosh Hashanah roses for a while with a bunch of poetry? Then the Kedusha. Always got to sanctify God like the angels, requiring a minion. And then the Uvchain Tain paragraphs, as we got into last time. Remember, possibly the first historical edition uh, along the lines of just random additions to the Sidor, right? To, to the Amidah, rather, specifically the Amidah. Why is the Kedusha put off to this late? To me, it seems late in the, in the uh, Amidah. Why isn't it earlier and then have all the extra stuff after it? You mean why so many PU team pre-Kedusha? Yeah. I am guessing that it is a thematic choice. So I'm, I'm guessing that while we're still in the the section in which we are again it's the buttering up god section right so in in the avot imahot section we are playing on zuchut we are playing on merit of our ancestors god of abraham isaac jacob sarah becca rachel and leah remember us remember your breed remember your covenantal relationship with them 
We are the descendants of that relationship. And then Givurot, God, you are mighty. God, you're mighty. You're the one who's going to wake the dead. Remember all that stuff you promised? So while we're in that section, we're going to stop and poetically extra praise God on the themes of the day, which is, in the case of Rosh Hashanah, Malchut, right? The idea of God's kingship. My best guess is that's why so much extra there. And when we get to Musaf, all the extra stuff is going to be where you would expect it to be, which is not there. So when we get to Musaf, it gets moved later. I don't know why Shachari gets it front-loaded quite as much as it does. I will say uh, when, when you get to this Machsor, these are typically we do one or this one or this one. We don't typically do all three. It would be a mm -hmm. lot because could you show it get pushed off? Does that answer the question? Ish begins to. Yeah, that, that nobody knows. It's probably rabbinical, I guess. Uh, it is definitely rabbinically ordained, definitely poetic. Um, I, like and it's worth it's worth looking into. Um, okay, so uh, and then kedusha though we do actually put off for these uvechayntain paragraphs. We do actually put off the Khatima. The Kedusha doesn't have its signature until here, right? You don't finish the Kedusha until here. And then we get these middle paragraphs, which are all about this whole section here, where it was all about uh, the day, right? Specific to Rosh Hashanah day. And that comes instead of, if you were thinking about Shabbat, that's where all the Shabbat stuff will go. If you were thinking about a weekday, it was where what I was talking about last week is all the fun stuff of asking God for everything we need. On our everyday prayers, that's where we ask God for stuff. And instead, here we say, thank you, God. Thank you for this new year. Thank you for this new month. Thank you. Right? Uh, sovereign of the universe, sanctifier of Israel. Right? And we talked about how Shabbat is going to ruin that super cool tune. Right? Okay. So we made that fun joke and we're done. And then we get back to the regular structure, as I said, of Ritzei, Modimanachnu Lach, Shatahu Adonai Eloheinu, same content as usual, but with some stuff stuffed in there that, get, that sticks around for the full 10 days that's all about being written into the Book of Life. Uchtod Lechaim, or Besefer Chaim, God who is the Oseh HaShalom, God who is the maker of the peace. And then Avinu Malkeinu, which is not recited on Shabbat, but our father, our sovereign. Um, and that is as far as we got last week. Let's preview where we're going to get this week. You ready? You feeling ready to move on to? Oh, okay. All right. Here we go. Okay. Torah service for Rosh Hashanah. The Torah service for Rosh Hashanah, we typically, traditionally, only take the Torah scrolls out in the presence of a minion. We certainly only take a Torah scroll out if we're going to read from it. And we only take it out for the sake of reading. So if you're doing a Zoom-based service, you may not see a scroll taken out this year. We do Enkamocha and Vayahibi and Soaharon, and then it depends what happens from there. We're going to see that there's a difference between the Torah service that we do on Shabbat and the Torah service that we do when it's on uh, not Shabbat. When it's on Shabbat, when Rosh Hashanah and Shabbat coincide, the Torah service is identical to the Torah service that we do on a Shabbat. 
right? It's actually a great trick because you can have a lay person or a bar mitzvah kid, you can have them lead the Torah service on Rosh Hashanah if it's Shabbat because it's the same as any old Torah service. If it's not Shabbat, we do the special stuff that we do on any Yom Tov, which is to say these special verses about God's 13 attributes and Va'ani Tefilati. We'll get there and we'll take a look at them. But is the is the the tombs are are they the same on uh, on Rosh Hashanah Yom Kippur as they are on Shabbat? If you're talking about Ein Kamocha and Vayhi Bin Aron and Be'an Arachetz, yes, there is no special Rosh Hashanah or Yom Kippur tune for those particular ones. Those are an exception to that rule that I was talking about last time. That like the more similar the the, the piece, then the more different that it's made. Um, once you get to like a, a, a Torah service on Shabbat, there's an interesting thing that happens. I'm glad you're asking about this, Barbara. There's an interesting thing that happens when you get to a Torah service on Shabbat, on Rosh Hashanah in particular, Yom Tov in general, which is that all of a sudden, we sort of let ourselves slip into Shabbat mode a little bit. The same thing is going to happen when we get to the Aliyot. I will show you when we get there. We sort of let ourselves slip into being Shabbat a little bit. And I think we do that because if we didn't, we would, we'd be missing Shabbat. Right? We would actually like skip over the experience of our Shabbat services in that way. So there, yeah. So we'll, we'll get there in just a minute about the Aliyot as well. And I'll show you what I mean. And, and stop me if I forget to, to mention it when we get to the Aliyot, please. Um, and then, the Torah is taken out of the Ark. We do Shema, Echad, and Gadlu, which we normally do on Shabbat anyway. And then the Torah will be processed around, except it won't be if you're in an in-person service on our campus this year because safety precautions. And then we have Torah readings. This is one of those things where uh, they make us memorize in cantorial school. You know, on weekdays you have three Aliyot. Which days have four Aliyot? And Hanukkah, and then, and then which days have five? All if you like, it goes up and up and up. So you have Rosh Hashanah that has five, and you have Yom Kippur that has six, and Shabbat has seven. So we'll talk well, about that. It, it's also four for Sukkot for Kol Hamoed, isn't it? And Pesach. Isn't so whenever, whenever you're in, whenever you're in Kol Hamoed, you're just you were just doing three. For Pesach and Hanukkah. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. And then we have a, um, and then we have a, where, where did I leave off? Um, if there is no, I made some notes here. If there's no minion, there are no aliyot, at least in our community. We do not say those brachot from a distance and we don't do it if the minion is anchored in a, it is if we're not anchored in an in-person minion. Okay? And then uh, prayer for healing for the ill is said in there. We're going to get to that as well. Maftir Aliyah, we lift and wrap the Torah and we move to the Haftra. We'll talk about that in a minute. There's a different one on day one than there is on day two. The shofar service is done while the Torah is out on the table. And then we'll talk about what that shofar service is made up of. And then we get to opening the ark again, saying one more verse, a processional if it's safe to do so, Eitz Chaim, the ark is closed and we're done. Let's look at the Torah service in the Machsor. Are there any questions before we go to the Machsor itself? 
Okay, let's take a look at it. I'm gonna put it up on the screen. Uh, you can open it up. Oops. You can open up to page 96 if you have Lev Shalem in front of you. So here's what I was talking about with Gosh, it looks a whole lot like Shabbat, right? And if it were, you know, you, you wouldn't even be able to tell that it wasn't Shabbat if you if you walked into shul for this one page. And then the ark is opened. Just the normal stuff. And then we turn the page, and then it depends. If it's not Shabbat, like day two of Rosh Hashanah, then we get Adoshem, Adoshem el Rachum Bechanun, or Adoshem, Adoshem el Rachum Bechanun. Now, those two tunes do not go together, really. But Can you enlarge that just a hair? Sure. Please, thank you. Oh, that was not a hair. Hang on. Let me do this a different way. Yeah, that's <laughs> much better. Great. Thanks for asking. And then um, we repeat these verses three times, okay? I'm going to preview for you. Is there anybody here on this call? I'm not going to put you on the spot, but anyone here who's considering coming to an on-campus service this year? Considering? Nope. Nope. Okay. okay. There's at least one person who's considering. If you come to an on-campus field service this year, you would notice that it's unlikely that we would repeat these three times, right? Because it would save us time, custom to do it three times but we might say them quietly once. Right? These are the 13 attributes of God. You can find them, like fun fact, they're, they're part of the fast day Torah reading. They are a direct biblical quote. They're one of the biblical quotes as part of our machzor. Then we read quietly this private meditation here, and we go down to Va'ani Tefilati, this little uh, section here, these two lines, that we again read and repeat three times. Right? It is a tiny personal hinani. Later on, the chazan, we're going to see, is going to do a huge personal supplication before God. May my words humbly be acceptable before you. This is a tiny one that we're doing constantly all the time. You can actually find this at the end of the Elohai Nitzor in our Amidah as well. And as for me, may my prayer be for you, Adonai, in an acceptable time, in a desirous hour. Elohim Barov Chastecha, God, in the abundance of your loving kindness. Um, it's just so, it's so, um, it, it's ripe with humility. It's a beautiful, it's a beautiful statement. Um, answer me, answer me truthfully with your, with your, saving that with a quality of you that it that that re, that redeems me that saves me um i like it it's a tiny heen to me just want to say i think it gets overlooked it's a very nice prayer anyway if it's shabbat which is the first day we just don't do this page so uh, uh we actually do uh we skip to the brich shemay quietly and we go to bayana rachets 
and it's just like Shabbat. And then we do Shema Echad and Gavlu. They get repeated back and forth. There is a special melody on Rosh Hashanah that we use for this. Well, when you have services at, at the campus <coughs> or off campus on Zoom, we're not taking out a Torah, right? right. So but, we won't have that. But it's Zoom. not prohibited to do these verses, so it's possible that people will do some pieces of this liturgy just sung without taking out a Torah scroll. Okay. Yeah. Jeff. You know, when you say it's a mini hinani, are you just saying thematically? Thematically. Okay. And remind me, the hinani is so familiar, but where is it structurally? Thank you for asking. The hinani comes right before the repetition of the amida as we do it structurally. There are other choices other shuls make, but right before the repetition of the amida and musaf. And it is the Hazan's okay. prayer. Mm-hmm. We're going to see it, hopefully, a little later tonight. And, uh, yeah, it comes right right before or after Chatzik Kaddish, depending on the shul you daven in and how they decide to do their davening. And then uh, we get to Shema, Chad, and Gadlu that are repeated, and there's a special melody for them. Shema Yisrael, Adoshem Elokeinu, and it's repeated and back and forth and back and forth until Gadlu Ladoshem Biti And then you'd march around if you could march around. And sing Lachadoshem Hagadula in your favorite melody. And then you get to the Gabaut. We're not gonna go through the Gabaut in this class because it's not a class to teach you how to do that, but there is Gabaut that is the liturgy of the Torah service as well, right? It's the liturgy of the service, how to run it from the Torah table. You take Aliot, and again, there are usually five Aliot, but if it's Shabbat, there are seven. Exactly. And Barbara, this is the part where I was going to come back to. There are seven Aliot on Shabbat plus Maftir. Taking the same exact amount of text, let's take a look at this. If you look on page 100, you see how it says, Rishon, which means first. Let's zoom in a little. It says Rishon, first, and Shani, which means second. But then here it says Bishabbat Shalishi. Or on the, you can look on the left side of the page. Oh, hang on. i got to zoom out for that to work. One second. And page will resolve. Um, if uh, it, it says in English on the left-hand side of the page, or like, uh, well, well. That, that was rude for it to refresh like that. Um, uh, one second. Um, the, um, what it means is that those aliyot basically take the same exact chapters and verses, the same exact psukim, and mm-hmm. renumber them for Shabbat, right? It's not like we're reading extra stuff. They just get renumbered so that the structure of the day feels more sh- Shabbatish. That makes sense? Yes. Right. So, and so I think, I think that's kind of to try to save, um, to, to save the Shabbatiness of the day. Save the Shabbatiness. Mm-hmm. I think it's to try to preserve the Shabbat. Like the atmosphere. Yeah. So, um, so here we are in the readings. Um, and we're not going to get too much into the content of 
what the readings are for the first day because this is about navigating the Sidor and I'm Moxor and not necessarily about, uh, hang on one second. I were just trying to get somebody into the class who was locked out. Um, what was I saying? I was saying something about the... We're not going to go into the Torah portion. Right, because this is a class on navigating the mock, so we're not going to get too much into the context or the content of what we're reading, except for I do want to get a little bit into the Haftar on that content. But there is a difference between what we read on the first day and what we read on the right. second day, except for the Moftir. So part of this is... And it, one of the things I want to point out is a difference structurally, because this class is about structure, is a difference between how we treat liturgically the structure of the readings on Rosh Hashanah versus the readings on other types of uh, holidays. So there are other holidays where the, the Torah readings might mirror each other a little bit more closely. Even then, usually the first day and the second day have different Torah readings. The first day and the second day of Rosh Hashanah have fully clearly different um, Torah readings. You probably know them pretty clearly because you've probably heard them droshed really clearly out by rabbis over many years, right? What's the first day Torah reading about? Um, uh, right, so it's, it's Abraham and Hagar, right? He heard the cry of the boy, oh. right? And Avi Melchith and the... And then on the second day is the... Right, exactly, is the Akedat Yitzchak. So... Rosh Hashanah never occurs on a... On a the second day never occurs on a Saturday, on Shabbat, right? The second day never occurs on a Saturday. Calendrically, it cannot, yeah. That's correct. But the Moftir reading is the same. Why is the Moftir reading the same? Let's take a look at the content for a minute. Let's look at it in the English. We don't have to read the whole thing, but will someone read the first, like, three, three verses in English? In the seventh, seventh month on the first day of the month? In the seventh month on the first day of the month, you shall observe a sacred occasion. You shall not work at your occupation. You shall observe it as the day when the horn is sounded. You shall present a burnt offering of pleasing odor to Hashem. One bull of the herd, one ram, and seven yearling lambs without blemish. The grain offering with them, choice flour with oil mixed in, shall be three-tenths of a measure for the bull, two-tenths for a ram, and one-tenth for either each of the seven lambs. Very good. So I think that's enough to maybe give us a hint. Why is this the Moftir for both the first and the second days of Rosh Hashanah? Even if we distinctly, both in the land of Israel and not in the land of Israel, observe the two days at no matter what as two different days of the holiday, why do we read the same Moftir for we both days? We have the same offering for both days. Right, we Right. Well, it says on the first of the month, so how could... Well, the offerings are the same on the second day. Yeah. I would say... I would say because we're treating both days as the first... as the first day of the month, right? Because of the way that we observe Rosh Chodesh, right? We're... Because, because of the way Rosh Chodesh gets observed... 
that's why. Because of that that treatment calendrically being different than the way that we treat two days of Yom Tov. Right? So we're treating this as as Rosh Chodesh. So we read we read that same on on both of on both of those days. And there's no difference, by the way. Even if you weren't worried about like the calendar thing or if that doesn't make so much sense to you, it's also just a way of saying the Moftir reading is is unlike where the Torah readings are different content stories from an earlier section, a story-heavy Genesis, you know, reading about our Avot, that it's taking us through um, uh, something that might be sort of a, a moral or ethical narrative portion of the Torah. The Maftir for Rosh Hashanah is an instructional on how to observe this holiday, and it just makes sense to read it on both days of the holiday, right? It just is an instructional. It's a it's a different t- it's a different piece of the content, and it makes sense to read it on both days of the holiday. So it's stuck. So it's there for both days of the holiday. Uh, okay, so we read the same Haftar both days, and then we get to Haftorah. The Haftorah um, on the let's skip over some Mishaberos. The Haftorah on the first day uh, is from the first. Uh, it's it's from the it's from the book of Samuel, okay, and it's the story of who? Hannah. Hannah. This is my favorite. Makes me weep every year. It's the best. It's a story about prayer. It's a story about misperceptions of people. It's a story about Ellie the priest. It's a story about dedication to temple service. It's a story about wanting, it's a, sto- it's a story about wanting a child and not getting one. It's a story, I mean, it's, it's, it's great drama. It's a story about, about sister wives not getting along. It's a very good story. Um, and it's also, it also is narrative that at some point ends and goes into a prayer, which mimics another reading that was picked for the High Holy Days too that does that. Can you think of another reading on the? Let me show you first, and then I'll ask you to think of another reading that does that. Look here where you can even tell the way the book is edited. So here you have the story, right? So you have a, a story of the man, but then actually the story isn't about a man at all. It's about women. But anyway, that's for another class I'll teach on the on the beginning of the book of, of uh, Shmuel. And so you can tell this whole thing is about the – it's about um, – uh, Elkanah, and then Hashem remembers uh, Hannah, and then she conceives, and yay. Uh, and then, uh, and then we have oh, the Tifalal Hanava Tomar, right? And we have her whole prayer. And then you get a whole prayer of Hannah. What does this remind you of? Where else in the High Holy Day liturgy do we have something very similar? A Hatarah that begins narratively and at some point dips into. And then they prayed. It's a fun trivia question. Should have brought like prizes. I'll give you a hint. It's not on Rosh Hashanah. Jonah? Yeah, Jonah. (laughs) When Jonah is down in the fish, which we may get to in two more classes from now, when Jonah is down in the fish, Jonah prays. And and it is fully a text of prayer, just as this is. It is not narrative. We just get the full text of Jonah's prayer. 
I love this as a chazan. The reason why I'm pointing this out to you is (laughs) you're like, people on the podcast can't watch me like literally moving to the edge of my seat and how excited I am about this. But just, it's like the convergence of all the categories at once. And when I say to you, Shirat Hayam is a biblical poem, right? So it's a biblical quote that converges with poetry that gets stuck in the Sidor. This is so great because we're in the middle of High Holy Days services and the biblical character who gets misunderstood by Ellie the priest up on on the the temple mount where she goes up to to uh, where her family is like barbecuing basically okay where, where she goes up to to pray to offer up a a, a spontaneous supplication uh, of a of a barren woman and she gets misunderstood there we get the text of her prayer right we we get we get we get text we get actual like here's what she prayed and gives us an example of her and it's actually from her later in rabbinic literature that we learn there's a beautiful text I didn't bring for us to learn from because again not this class but we could learn it together if you if you're interested in it the the rabbis of our Talmud want to learn from Hannah how we pray right that actually the volume at which she prayed is an exemplary volume to pray at the volume where it goes from between your mouth and your ears which is the example of why people kind of whisper while they pray. You know, it just, we learn from Hannah how to pray. And so I love that our Haftorah even shows us, here's a really great way to pray. And it's preparatory for us because we're about to finish up the Torah service and go and pray Musaf. Okay, so that's the prayer that is contained within our Haftorah. And then we finish it and we skip this Haftorah because we're not doing this Haftorah that day. And then we go straight over to skip this. This is a really lovely uh, healing service found on in the middle of the uh, optional. It's great. And then we go to, uh, we'll skip over prayer for a lovely prayer for a country. Sure. Fine. Then shofar service, which we do not do on Shabbat. We don't, uh, we don't, we don't do shofar on Shabbat. Go to one nineteen, and here's the shofar service. Everything up until this middle paragraph is optional stuff. Middle paragraph is where the real meat and potatoes begin. Tofu and green beans, whatever. Um, and we can read uh, th- this piece of liturgy in the middle. Bonnie and I know it well because we sing it in our music and mindfulness class every week. Thanks to Deborah Saxman. This is awesome melody. Um, and uh, you might know some of these lines from Hallel, lines of praise and prayer. And then we have this little back and forth. The ball to, to the person responsible um, for playing shofar blesses before playing. And then you need somebody to actually call to them so that they're not responsible for looking at a sheet while they're playing. So you have them listening to the shofar calls, and then they're playing out these shofar blasts. So that's what's happening. That's what's listed here on the page is basically the blueprint, the map of them praying. That's the whole shofar service. People make a very big deal about shofar service, but this is it. That's the whole shofar service right there, those two paragraphs. That's shofar service. It is a big deal to hear shofar. The shofar service is short and sweet. When we finish that, there's a bonus ashray, <laughs> a bonus two lines that are some of my favorite lines in the whole C door. 
Ashriham Yodehei Teruaha Adonai Be'or Panecha Yehalechum Joyous are the people who experience the calling of the shofar, Adonai. They walk Be'or Panecha. They walk by the, the, the light of your presence. I think that's like the theme of this year. People, like, hearing the shofar was number one in our poll for what people wanted for it's like, it's like they knew. It's like the Mahzor knew, right? That's what people want to hear on Rosh Hashanah. So I, dear, dear to my heart and great lines in our Mahzor. Um, they, um, they all, all day long, they continuously yilu, they, they rejoice in your name and in your, and they are uplifted in your righteousness. So that's it. That's like how we close out the Torah service. Those are great lines. And then we do the regular ashray. You're just boring old ashray. And then, yahalalu, we close out the Torah service exactly as we do on Shabbat. It's identical. There's nothing to navigate here. You just either do the Shabbat psalm or you do the non-Shabbat psalm. There's really nothing fancy to navigate. You do one or the other. It depends on if it's Shabbat. And that's the whole thing, okay? That's, that's the end of Torah service. There's nothing fancy. Then Chatzik Kaddish, which looks so unimposing, but this is the biggie. This is the one. This is the one everyone's been waiting for. And I have no idea what I'm going to do this year because I can't say it when I'm standing alone in the sanctuary doing this traditional and truncated service that I'm leading both days of Musaf. And I have... No clue what I'm going to do in that moment. So if you have ideas, email me. <laughs> but, you know, this is that moment. This is it. This is the iconic one. Everyone's waiting for it. I don't know if I'm just going to sing. Maybe just for fun. But I'm going to miss it this year is what I'm saying. And then, depending on where you are, you may just go into Tefillah B'Lachash, okay, quiet whispered Amidah, and you got to page your way through. One thing that I want to point out here is even more substantially and significantly than Shahrit, the content here of Tefillah B'Lachash, of the quiet Amidah, is much skinnier than the content at uh, at of the repeated one, okay? Because we're not doing everything. Uh, there's there's extra stuff in the repetition, but it's long. It takes people a long time to get through for a few reasons. One is this just a lot of content, and another is it when you're doing it, it's been a year, right, since you put these words in your mouth. And so it's it takes me, like, I'm a fast davener, and it takes me a long time to get through this Amidah. Look at, look, look at this business. The long Amidah. There you go. That's the end of it. Okay. When you get through the whole Amidah, here you go, Jeff. You asked, where's the where's the Hinani? When look at this. On 139, you get to the end of the concluding the Amidah, right? The whispered Amidah. And then you get to the Hinani. This is the uh the prayer of the of the uh prayer leader. There's a beautiful version of a female leader. The reason why they did this whole gender binary 
um, split out of the text of the prayer of the female leader is that um, there's literally a nice beard referenced in the in the prayer of the male leader. Like there's some very gendered language, like very gendered language in the Hinani, which is why there's a, a split off version. Before I move on from Hinani, let me pause here. Any questions or thoughts arising? This is this this is like the part in the service where first of all usually we've all paused for a sermon and then people are like should we go home to eat or not <laughs> there's like we're all I'm skipping over that part um and second of all um it's very important to think about our prayer fatigue too at this point. Cause remember we've had like classes splitting up between this, but that's a long morning already at that point. And now we're just getting to Musaf and Musaf is just getting to the meat of things. So that's a lot. Jeff. Yes. Question. Uh, just looking back a little bit. Well, first of all, the word balachash means together. No. In, in a, in a whisper in a whisper okay but i see part of shofar blowing. oh that's not shofar blowing when you if you look back at page like 137 there's the uh shofarot part so in that's some, in the repetition in some communities not ours in some communities not in Shir Chadash or Beitenu, but in some communities, the shofar is actually blown in the middle of the whispered Amidah. Mm. And that is why okay. that's notated even in the whispered Amidah. We choose okay. not to disrupt in our community. It's not our minhag. It's not our custom. But that's why it's noted there. I'm glad you, I'm glad you caught that. That's a great catch. Okay. Okay. Deep breath. We are about to have some super fun with this Musaf service. Before we do it, I want to look back at the playbill, okay? Because I want us to know this structure going in. Because this is the whole point of this class was really leading up to this moment. Honestly, this is like the climactic, we need a prayer playbill for this. You ready? Okay. So, um, well, you know what? Hang on. Come back to this for a minute. Does this look familiar? Like, it looks familiar, right? Super familiar. What parts are going to be... Oh, hi, Joel. Um, what parts are going to be... What parts are going to be the same? The beginning, the middle, or the end? What are going to be shared? The beginning shared so between what? Meaning, what what are going to be the the familiar um, parts, and what are going to be the 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 new parts? What did I say are like the overlapping with all the usual, and what are going to be the new? The beginning, beginning and the, the end. Right, the beginning and the end are going to be absolutely super duper familiar. That's what I would have said. All right, so here we go. We are going to look through the familiar parts and see if we can identify it. You know, I, we're going we're gonna to tease this out together first. 
I think we're ready for this. Let's see if we can do it. Here we go. We're going to try this together. When we look at this together, we see the same identical content, including diversions, identical to what we did in Shacharit. Same beginning of Avot with the diversions of Misoda Hamim, right? That little miniature supplication and Zohreinu. Then we go to the next page. We get to the Melechozer, Atagibor, Mechalka Chaim, the little Michamocha, and the Neeman. Identical to Shacharit. Don't believe me? Go to <laughs> It is that it is exactly, exactly the same. Identical. Then we get to Uvechenu Lcha Ta'alei Kedusha Kieta'alohenu Melech. The ark is open, and here is our first big diversion. What's this? Anatoka. Anatoka. Now this is in the spot that Barbara pointed out before is like, wait a minute, it's not even Kedusha yet. Hang on. <laughs> like this seems a little disruptive. So yes, once again, we get something that is in the disruptive spot pre-Kedusha, but it is, a so structurally, right? It, this is what you're starting to notice and navigating it. You've got your vote. You've got your Givu rope. We are anticipating Kedusha, but we're not to Kedusha yet. The uvechein ulecha ta'alei kedusha, ta'alei kedusha. That that line in Shachar, you're just gonna have to believe me. Actually, I'll tell you the page number to go to so you can see it. If you turn back, if you have the sidor in front of you, if you turn back to page, hang on, I want you to be able to look at it so you can be excited. Hang on. If you turn back to page. Eighty-six in your Mossor, but hold this page still. Just so you like believe your canter that she knows what she's talking about. <laughs> oh yeah, look at that. Okay, this is the this is the beginning of Kedusha on the High Holy Days. This this is this is like the Kishem Adoshem Echra Havu Godel right? This is the intro to Kedusha, but it's like, but hang on a second, I've got a great poem for you, <laughs> right? This is what, this is what the Sidor and Machsor love to do, and this is why I'm giving you the tools to notice and notice and notice. Structurally, we're just getting a little, like, boop, a, a disruption, but a disruption for a great poem. Now, this poem has two prose sections to it. And then a super poetic e poem. I don't. I don't know. What, I don't know. I should take a class in poetry. Okay, but uh, but it has two like po- prose sections, right? Unatana tokef kedushat hayom kihunorava ayom. It does rhyme. So there's stuff I can point to here. It's very poetic section. It is about the kedushat hayom. Remember, that's a thing that we're gonna get into in any amida on a on a big day. And it's all about the Chotem Yad Kol Adambo. It's all about this book of remembranceness. Remember, I said all of the stuff that gets stuck in this section, Zochreinu Lechaim Mel Chafetz Vechaim. It's all about this remember us in the book of life. God is Chafetz Chaim, God is desirous of life. It's all about what about the book of life, remember us for life here. 
And that's what this whole section is going to be about. What's going to happen on that day? We're going to get a story. And the big shofar is going to be sounded. Right? Still rhyming. Everyone know that like great 1973 version of this? It's so good. I'll send you links. It's wonderful. It's a great story too. Familiar? No, it's great, great version. I will send you great links. And then a poem. And this is all, again, thematically about who will live, who will die, written in the book of life, not written in the book of life, what's going to happen, what's going to happen, all poetic. And it's going to tell us what can lessen the decree, tshuva tefillah tzedakah. Mavirin, they lessen, they move, they push over Roa Gezeira. If you want a class on this, I'll give you 30 podcasts, 14 books, 20 doctoral theses, like 60 wonderful dress I This is not the class for that, but it is a beautiful, beautiful piece of our text. And we are still in the middle of a giant poetic disruption. Let me give you a sneak preview. Look one page over. We're getting to Kedusha. We're almost there, but we're not there. We have one more page of disruption. Do you see we're almost there? You're with me structurally. We're almost to that third part, Kedusha, but we're still in the disruption here. We're in Kikashimcha, Adam Yesodo, Ein Kitzba. So we're still in this poetic section that's all about who will live and who will die. Kikashimcha, Kain Tehilatecha, God, Adam Yesodo, Me'afar, Vesofo, Le'afar. Man, uh, human beings are created from dust, and our end is dust. Okay, and then Enkitzba um, Lishnotecha. There are different, there are beautiful Chazanut uh, pieces to each piece of this. All of these are completely um, poetic additions to this text. None of them are part of. Do you see any brachot in here? I don't think there are any biblical quotes in here. I'm pretty sure. I don't think I'm wrong about that. It is all just um, gorgeous uh, additional poetry um, that we love to say because uh, it's wonderful to ruminate and also like melancholic, but, but wonderful to ruminate at least once a year on the fragility of life as we have it. And then Aselaman Shemecha, officially, we are into Kedusha at the bottom of this page. Can I jump in with a question for them from the previous page? Sure. Um, at the bottom of the page, uh, where all of the uh, who will live and who shall die, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, mm-hmm. the, um, the commentary when we really begin written by Samuel Rabinowitz, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, and I'm, and that goes on to the next page, which appears to be a uh, um, a long poem based on that, but but different. I don't know if it's a poem or a song, but it appears to be. Uh, 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 repetition because there's uh, two lines in regular type and two lines in uh, italics. Do you know anything about that? 
I've never paid attention to it before, but it seems lovely. Oh, I, I can afford to do that because you're going through the test and I don't have to. Right, this is, right again, this is like the, the worst part of being a Chazan is that I'm way too busy to look at the best stuff in the book. But that's great. Thank you for pointing that out. I it, will looks, it looks very interesting. looks very interesting. That's great. Um, this bottom part of the text takes us straight into the Kedusha proper. Asay l'ma'an shemecha. A little bit bigger. The Are we starting to sound kedusha ish in our language? Mm-hmm. Right? Do you recognize some of the roots from that that are similar to kedusha na'aritzacha or right nikadesh? Very very similar language to our usual ones, uh, mm-hmm. to our usual kedusha. So this is our intro. Um, this is our little intro to tell us that we're actually going to get into Kedusha proper. And here we go. Kesod siach sarfei kodesh. Jump right in. Hamatishim shimcha bakodesh. Dare mala im dare mata. Slightly different than usual. Okay, but dare is like a way of talking about... Um, like mystical creatures, uh, and the rest of this page, absolutely and completely like a normal Yom Tov Amida. Right? Do you see anything out of place here? No. Tune-wise, does anybody know where we go with this? Does anyone know what we hint at with this? Don't we go into the three different, the Zikra note and the, and the, the three of them, the Shofarot and what's the third one? Yeah, we're, we're about to get in, into the into the Malchuyot section next. Malchuyot. We're going to get into the three sections. But tune-wise, when we go into the music here, we're going to actually quote from the Avodah service. We're going to borrow from the Avodah service when we go into the Kedusha. So the custom here is to do... So it's to quote from the Avodah service and to to anticipate the Avodah service that is coming later. What's cool about that? Why do that at Musaf? Anticipation. Of what? Of the Kedusha. I mean, of the... I don't know. <laughs> I mean, there's no Avodah service on Rosh Hashanah. So it definitely doesn't, on the surface, make sense to do it, right? But if, you start to, if you start to think about it, it's like, wait a minute, why are we doing the Avodah service? But then, what, what's the Avodah service about? I would guess if it's Avodah, probably had something to do with what happened in the temple. Right. right? It's about about the Kohen Gadol and what happened in and yeah. in in the most sacred and liminal moment in the Holy of Holies. Right at, at the at the most um, kind of tenuous moment, dramatic moment, um, and Musaf is our one lingering vestigial 
piece of our liturgy that preserves, at least in symbolic form, avodah, avodat kodesh, right? It, it basically is our like sacrificial offering. That's what Musaf is. A Musaf was a, you know, a sacrificial offering. Does that make sense? Right? That, that, does that make any sense to anybody else here? Maybe you reject my comparative analysis. But I think that that's how we wound up with that, is this idea that we're sort of pre-quoting the Avodah service because, hey, we're in Musaf, and Musaf is about Avodah. It's, it's the priestly work. That's what we do every, every week in Musaf, but we're in the High Holy Day season, so we're sort of pre-quoting the Avodah service, which is about the priests, and this is a service that mimics the priestly work. Right? So Musaf is about the, the Musaf sacrificial offering. Wait, so let me understand you say we're not doing Avodah. Where, what are you referring to structurally? Where is Avodah? So the Avodah service is only done on Yom Kippur. But okay. every Musaf all throughout uh, the High Holy Days does this. It does this like thing, or I should say Chazanim do this thing, or leaders do this thing. And I think that this reference to Avodah has to do with, hey, we're in the part of the service that's like, you know, like, oh, we don't do sacrifices anymore, but we do do Musaf, right? And I think that that's where we're going with it. I think that's how that quote wound up being there. I don't know. It's so meaningful it to me What's that? Is it linked with the tune? Yes, that's the tune that's for the Avodah tune. service. Ah, that's why I can't do this. Yes. I'm not going to do the tune. <laughs> Yes, it is the tune for the Avodah service. Okay, thank you. Yes. And then we finish with that tune at the bottom of this page, but we don't finish Kedusha, because look at the bottom of the page. Hallelujah. <laughs> Where's the Khatima? Not here. More, more, more. more. You have to wait for it. It gets put off a little bit, and we get a poem. It even says so. It says a piyut. See? Look. That was very nice of the editors to tell us. It's a piyut, and it's called the Minim. First, we get a little Hamola Masecha, which is a beautiful little tune, a beautiful little uh, poem in and of itself. We do Hamola Masecha, and then we have this optional piyut here, the Minim, which you may or may not know a tune or two to. And then we get a few paragraphs of that. We'll skip over to 148 at the bottom of that page where we get to Tusgav Levadecha, which is after that pew closes, one little paragraph which quotes from the prophet Zechariah, and it is a quote that you probably know pretty well. The Hayah Adonai Lamelech Okol Haaretz Bayom Hahu Yihye Adonai Echad Ushmo Echad. Because Aleinu, right? Which we're going to get to in like a page. But first, Uvachain. Does that look familiar? Remember Uvachain's? Yep. Right? So let's go back. Structurally, what happened? Let's go back. You ready? What happened structurally? We're going back. We had a vote, give a vote, and then Winatana Tokef disrupted us, and then we got to Kadusha. 
We did our Kedusha, but then the Kedusha left us hanging. We didn't have a Khatima. We didn't get to a Khatima. We got disrupted by a poem. So we're still hanging. We don't have our Khatima for Kedusha because it's left us hanging. And we're moving through this weird poem. Not weird. It's a lovely poem, but it's just weird that it disrupted us. We're still hanging to Skavlavadecha with a little Zachariah quote. Get to the next page, and we're in the Uvachains. Same stuff. Ide- you'll have to believe me. I could give you the page, but, well, I'll give you the page. It's identical to page 87 earlier. You can look back on it if you want to. Okay? It's identical Uvachains. There's no difference between this and that one. It's sung the same way, too. Next page. Another piute. People love this piute. Okay? Excuse me. All those piute and in between the pastor you don't do them all you just pick and choose one or two or what absolutely barbara we would go nuts if we did all of them although i do know some services where they do all of them and then they get out at 2 30 so yeah uh definitely we pick and choose you're you're absolutely right or we might choose to do some paragraphs from them yeah and so this is by right right that's a great one to yeah. crown you as uh, with the with the with the crown of of sovereignty. It's really cool. Um, it's a it's a it's got a catchy tune. Doc yeah. Ackerman used to tear that one up. Yeah, that's a great one. And then, oh boy, we get to finish Kedusha. Second paragraph. Uh. Finally, we get to finish Kedusha. First paragraph on the page we don't quite get to yet. A little paragraph about the Timlo Chatadonai Labadecha, um, just like about you can you can roll through it in the English if it's helpful to you. You God alone are going to be the the sovereign over all the uh, uh, over all the creations and nations, um, and sort of a prediction that you're going to rule over everyone. We get a little Yimlo Chatadonai Leolam Elohayach Zion Lador Vador Hallelujah, because. I think this is just my thought in terms of like the structure is we've been so disrupted in our Kedusha that we need a little, do you guys like to say reprise or reprise? I sound very American saying reprise. So I'll say reprise. Okay. What's that? What's wrong with being American? (laughs) I don't know. Well, I just sound, I, I think I sound like, mildly uneducated as somebody who loves musical theater, I should say, not like American. I think, I think I sound like, there's nothing wrong with being American. I sound, I sound like I don't know what I'm talking about. Maybe I'm not sure. Reprise or prize. We get back to Yimloch because it's been so long. It's like, whoops, we need to, we need a little, like we need a little jog of our memory. So we get back to Yimloch, Anonai, Leolam, Melochayaxion, Lador, Vador, Hallelujah. And then, we get a little miniature Kedusha paragraph, a Khatima, to finish us up because we got to be done. But remember that the Khatima, the real, the signature of the signature, the Khatima shal Khatima of, uh, of um, the Kedusha on the High Holy Days is not Ha'el HaKadosh, it's Hamel HaKadosh, right? Okay. So, um, so we... Uh, so we get through Kadosha Tabinorashemecha, the Ain Aloach Mibaladecha. It's a little poetic, but it's not a poem. It is intended to be just prayer straight through and through. Then Atavikartanu Mikolha Mi Mahato Tanaviratsita Banu. We start getting into a section that is very 
Musafi. Now we are getting into the heart and soul, right? Like the bread and butter of what Musaf is anytime we get a Musaf. So we get into chosenness for a little paragraph. Chosenness for all people. You've loved us. You desired us. You've lifted us up from all the different tongues. You sanctified us in your commandments. You brought us close in your Avodah. Right? Remember I mentioned the Avodah part? You've called upon us with your great and holy name. Um, okay. If it's Shabbos, also this. Um, you placed upon us the Yom Shabbat is it? Yom Zikaron is it? Yom Zikaron Truwa Behava Mikray Kodesh Zikar Litziat Mitzrayim. You've given us this Rosh Hashanah and Shabbat if it's Shabbat. Okay? And then. We get to this Musaf section. And because of our sins, we have been exiled from our land. This is a teak bullet. I keep bringing up this this language. This is a parallelism. And it just means the same. We're just saying the same thing twice to make us feel worse, I guess. Uh, we have been made distant from upon our land. Right? And now we can't do what we are required to do. Right? You guys have enough. Is this translation helping? Uh, this live trans. I'm I'm live translating. Is it helpful, or can you just look at the English and skip the? Okay. What's helpful? Okay. So we can't do what we're supposed to do anymore because we're really far away from our land. in the house that you chose. Remember, there was supposed to be this big house that was sacred that you was that was supposed to be called by by your name. With that, like extended hand uh, in your sanctity. May it be the will before you, You know what that means. King of Mercy. So this is compassionate king or, or, or sovereign who brings back the children or descendants to their promised land that you might once again mercifully bring compassion on us and return us in mercy to your uh, sanctuary. So this is uh, pretty theologically, you know, some people are like, whoa, that's where I, that's my line, right? This is, this is solidly conservative movement-ish theology that's a line for some, or, you know, this is a certain Jewish theology here. You hear what I'm saying? Right? This is like, bring us back to, we, we miss the Avodah that you asked us to do. We, we miss that sacred work. Bring us back to that land. Okay, so this is this is like bring us back from our scattered places on earth, bring us back to this place, allow us to do Musaf, not like we're praying it now, but like Musaf was meant to be, is my summary of this page. Okay, that's what this page is. If you have feelings about that, I'd love to hear about them at the end. We're going to do about two more pages and then... We're going to have to pause after Malkuyo and we'll make it through the end of Musaf next time. But this has been really fun. We're going to get through a little bit more and then we'll pause. We're just going to do the top half of the next page. The bottom half is very creative. 
uh, top half of the next page, Uvioma Shabbat. If it's Shabbos, we have to also mention the Musaf sacrifices for Shabbat. And then we mentioned the Musaf sacrifices specifically on the bottom here. The other reason I had you read out loud what the Moftir Aliyah was for both days of Rosh Hashanah is because, oh, look, it's back. See? Right. We get to pray it again. Right here. <laughs> you get to pray it in Musaf. Okay? It's right here again. That makes sense? That's like, that's our Musaf prayer is also we're, we're praying it. That we get to, but we're praying it struck. It's stuck in here structurally, like, let's do it again. So we are, we are now post-Kedusha. What do you do in Musaf on Rosh Hashanah, post-Kedusha? You start talking about the sacred work that we were once asked to do and missed doing. And here's, here's what we would have done, and here's what we wish we could be returned to doing again. And we recall what we just chanted directly from the Torah scroll. Yismichu, which we would do if we had Shabbat normally. And then we skip this middle section. It's extra. Just skip your eyes over it. We go to Ochila La'el, which is a little miniature, beautiful, poetic piece that that is um, that is a a uh, another sort of plea that we um, that we can. It's like another miniature Hinani situation that ends with right another miniature hinani like open up may, may i humbly be ready to offer up my praise before you again that's basically what this page is is l page and then we get to malchuyot right so structurally we go avot gevurot we get a little pause for the Unatana Tokef section where we talk about God writing us in the Book of Life. Kedusha, but we don't quite finish it. We get some Uvachain paragraphs in there. And then we get to finish Kedusha and talk a bunch about the sacrifices we miss making. And then we get into the big three. And we're only going to do the first of the big three for just like a second, Okay. This is where Elenu originated. We stole it from here because it was so good to stick it in our daily davening. It's so good. It's such a great piece. For a great history on Elenu, I commend to you learning it from Rabbi Avi Havivi or a number of other places, but he has a great, like, shiur on it, a great class on it. Um, here, what I want to talk about structurally is, first of all, there's the first of three sections that are going to have a very particular structure. I want to walk you through that structure in a minute. Second of all, we are going to actually fully bow down here, which is a very rare thing in Jewish prayer these days. And I think that's a very cool thing. So I just want to take a moment to mention that the Nefilat Apayim, the falling down on our face, happens a lot more in Yom Kippur than it does on Rosh Hashanah. But here it actually happens on Rosh Hashanah. I want to show you the structure. Here's how each of these sections work. There's an opening gambit of some kind. The biggie is Alenu and Malchuyo. The other two sections, less exciting in their openings. But Malchuyo, Alenu is like strong start. So that's the big opening is an Alenu paragraph up until the Al Haaretz Mitachat Enod. And then forget about this page. This is extra. Okay? It's lovely, but you, we don't need to do La De Adi Malcha. It's just a PU. It's lovely. Here's the second paragraph you're used to seeing. 
it just gets stuck over here. It's an extra poetic addition here. And then we get into three sections. We get verses on the theme of Malhuyot. Actually, they highlight, can you tell? Can you see? They highlight the words that are related to the root melech are highlighted here. Do you see that? Very cool. Yimlo and melech, melech. These verses are kaka tu Techa, as it's written in your Torah. These are uvdivrei kochecha katuv lemor. These are verses that are written from the book of Psalms in the next section. And then the next section are going to be verses from Nevi'im on the same theme. And then we're always going to get followed by that a section uh, of, of blessing of some kind that ends in a chatima of blessing, like Mikadesh Yisrael Zikaron here, followed by blasts of the shofar, Hayom Harat Olam, and Areshet Sefateinu. So it's always going to go, going back, opening gambit, Followed by Torah verses, more biblical verses from Psalms, more biblical verses from an, an, uh, another section in the Torah, in this case, Prophets. And then we're going to get a, these are, um, what you call that, like, that, that midway type of blessing, right? That begin with Eloheinu Velohevotenu, the blessing, right, all the way down here. And finally, Shofar Blast, Hayom, Areshet. That structure is going to take us through all three sections of Musaf. And when we're done with that, we're going to get the identical structure that we got for the other. Ritzay, Modim, Sim Shalom. Like every other Amidah. So we'll finish that part up next time. Okay. I mean, it's not even Rosh Hashanah and I'm exhausted davening this. It's all long Amidah, but I feel, I feel we're getting there. We're, we're, are, are you with me? It, it's, it's 8.53 at night and it's a lot of text in the Mahsor, but you with me? You got this? What questions do you have? Where where do you start? Do you start for Torah service, or or do you start at at uh, at Musaf? Well, I would like to start at Musaf. <laughs> On a normal year, I'm usually asked to start at the beginning of the Torah service, and I usually acquiesce. This year, I will be doing all sorts of strange things. So the first day, I'm going to start at. Haftorah following the sermon of Rabbi Shapiro, which will air from 1030 to 1040 something, like 1050 or something. And then I'll take over from Haftorah to the end of that service. And then the second day, I'm going to be in that service kind of soup to nuts. I'll be present in the room. I won't daven all of it, but I'll be in there at soup to nuts. But, but routinely, you would start 
after Torah service, right? I'd like to, but I usually do Torah service. You usually do Torah service. I do. They they ask me every year, and I and I acquiesce. I don't know because why. the library minion, the person that does shakari, does Torah service, and then we have somebody take over. Or um, yeah, um, I like doing just Musa. It's a lot of stuff already. I mean, we're getting tired. But, you know, I want to do my part. Um, Jeff, yes. Yes, so this is the repetition of the Amida. Correct. For any Zoom service, a non-minion service, what happens? Great question. Larry Herman and I had a wonderful conversation this week about exactly that. Every service is going to approach this a little differently. Here's what I've decided to do, unless somebody comes along and says, nope, you shouldn't do that. But I, I'm pretty sure here's what I'm going to do. Are you ready? On the first day in the traditional and truncated service, meaning if you tune into the service that's anchored in the sanctuary, which is starting with Rabbi Kligfeld and then ending with me, here's what you're going to get for Musaf. When we get to Musaf, we're going to do Hinani. We can't do Chatzik Kaddish. And then we're going to go right into the Amidah, which we will do out loud all the way through together. Meaning there's not going to be a repetition. It's going to be one Amidah out loud, which I will be davening as my private Amidah, but done out loud. Which I can opt to add things into that I wouldn't normally add into my private Amidah that are like adding in PU team into the private Amidah. And I'll, ahead of time appoint somebody on Zoom to be unmuted, to be my MC, to call page numbers for the skipping through the Sidor. In order to accomplish that, we'll have to actually dot in our private Amidahs, I will and anybody else who's following with me, from the repetition part in order to get all the content in there, but it'll involve a little bit of skipping. It should be fine. That's for the first day. The second day, my intention is to do something different. It's to ever have everybody have a moment, and by moment I mean like 14 minutes, to dove in our, our private Amidahs. Uh, and then when we finish davening our private whispered Amidah, we'll go back and we will not do a full repetition because we can't, but we'll go through and starting with Zohreinu, do all the parts that we would want to sing going along through it. We'll just skip the parts we can't do without a minion, which are substantial i see so you'll pick and choose the traditional melodies that yeah you can do you don't need to do with the minion or okay exactly and the second day i can imagine the first day i imagine the experience people have on the other end is oh the chazan is basically davening through except for the parts that you really cannot do without a minion the second day i think people will hear me doing stopping and doing a kavanah and okay we're gonna and they'll hear me announce we're gonna go to the next page so yeah. Haven't we reached the point of after five plus months of feeling like maybe when we're doing it on Zoom that we're really doing it with a minion and we can do some of the things that you would normally only do with a minion? I mean, you do it for people to say, uh, yes, I mean, not Yisker, but uh, Kaddish. Um, well, I completely agree with that. I don't understand why, in, under the circumstances of this day and age, uh, with so much being compromised just to get people uh, uh, present, even on Zoom, the, why it can't constitute a, a minion if, if you have one on Zoom? I mean, I, I know that philosophically it's got to be in the same room, but 
you know, this is kind of uh, unusual times. Yeah, this is a special time. Right. I agree. It, it certainly is special time. I know that that's what has pushed us to to make the decision that we've made when it comes to the mourners cottage over everything else. I I don't know, and I want to offer you I want to offer you a miniature rosh on this, which I feel I'm not giving away. I already know what the content is for my second day Rosh Hashanah sermon, and I know I'm not giving it away by giving you this Torah. So I'll give you I'll give you a mini drosh. I won't remember anyway. What's that? I don't remember anyway. So oh, good. Okay. All right. Oh, good. Joel, you're not seeing oh. that yet. <laughs> Joel, maybe I'll invite you Thank to come you in much. here. I have to pre-record my Josh, so maybe I'll invite you to the pre-recording party, and then you'll forget, and you'll hear it I'll again. Forget. Yeah, I'll definitely forget. Perfect. Okay. So here's the mini Josh in response to your question, Barbara. Uh, okay. So there's this this idea, shuv yom lifne mitatcha. You should make... Sorry, I forgot. What did you say? <laughs> very good there is a oh where's the mute button um no uh what uh, there is the idea is is to repent one day before you die and the theology behind that is an awareness that you might die any day right that, that you cannot possibly know where you are located in your own mortality story you just can't it's not possible where you're located in your own mortality narrative. It's possible that I am at the beginning of my life, that at some point I'm in my 30s, and therefore it is possible that at some point, by the time I'm in my 50s or 60s, cryogenic freezing, you know, just blossoms as an idea, and they're able to upload my, I, this is the beginning of my thousand years of existence, I could die tomorrow. Or I'm smack in the middle of my life, and this is, you know, and I'm going to die at a you know, nice, even age of, of, of whatever. So I have no idea where I'm located in my mortality narrative. And that accepting not knowing where I am in my mortality narrative, accepting that I'm in a free fall of that mortality narrative will help me to be better every day. That's the idea behind that concept. It's very deep for like a, for a one-liner throwaway. That is how I feel right now about this pandemic, meaning what is so damaging to me is anyone who asserts that they know where we are vis-a-vis -vis the narrative of this pandemic. Oh, we're at the beginning of this. Oh, we're just in the middle of this. Oh, we're at the end of this thing. I don't know. So Barbara, if I could tell you, we're just at the beginning of this, or we're in the middle of this, or we're at the end of this, I would have such a better answer for you when it comes to how we ought to decide on this vis-a-vis -vis how flexible, how stretchy we ought to be, how emergent our halachic decision should be in response to this. Because if I could say, if, if every trustworthy physician were to say, folks, this is, you, you know, you, years we're, we're in this for years you know like please, please do not you know gather um like i would say sure the cgls should probably start gathering that that chuva together right now but because we're simultaneously thinking like that and also the other half of people are trying to figure out how we can get a hundred people on on zeroing family field and there's such conflicting narratives around that i'm i feel stuck so i it was not as short a drosh as I thought I was going to give on it, but that's where I feel stuck about it is like, if I knew where we were vis-a-vis, vis-a-vis the narrative, I would feel so confident about how, how flexible the halachic response should be. 
You're talking right out of the 60s, babe, all this cosmos. <laughs> Can I ask a, a, a question I haven't really gotten an answer to yet? So you're going to be in the sanctuary, right, doing this? I will be in the sanctuary for most of Rosh Hashanah, correct? Yeah. Uh, uh, okay. Uh, and with at least one person or by yourself? By myself. By yourself, okay. The yeah. sanctuary is quite large. Correct. Um, there's no way that 10 people in that sanctuary adequately spaced, not random people, specifically assigned people that know exactly how not to congregate, would constitute a hazard to anybody and would not, and, and therefore would be a minion with you. I don't, I really don't understand, unless there's a law that's just we're not allowed to. There is. There's a law that we're not allowed to. So the specific. Well, there isn't in my job. I don't understand why there's one at your job. Right. I, so, I don't understand why there's not one at your job. I mean, there isn't one in our job, right? Right. So, yeah. so um, I was just on a phone call today with Mayor Garcetti, um, who, who lovingly began his remarks on this topic with, first of all, talk to Newsom, but second of all, which was ad- adorable, but second of all, um, yeah, the, 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 the issue is this. Um, uh, they rank the gathering indoors. Stick with me on this. They rank the gathering indoors of a 500 plus. I know we were talking about 10, but stick with me. They rank the gathering indoors of a 500 person in almost every uh, current scientific study. An indoor gathering of 500 worshipers is ranked at the same um, risk level as gathering in a sports stadium for an event, right? And so in order to create a, a, uh, a general principle right now when it comes to whether or not worship spaces are open, the current guidance, especially as there's so much question around aerosol communication of this virus and the concern that chanting and singing is a super spreader of this virus, the, the current regulation is there is no indoor worship gathering period. Like forget about the wor- the chanting and the singing guidelines. There simply is no indoor uh, worship. In fact, the current state gu- guidelines currently say their houses of worship are closed. Like if you read on the, on the, on the uh, state um, web website right now, it says houses of worship are closed. What it says is though, the exception is you can gather outdoors, right? So it's, it's really interesting. It doesn't even say we're open for outdoor worship. It just says, if you're able to gather outdoors, you can worship. So it's going to be a while. Like that's what that it's not, it's not even, it's worse than what you're saying, meaning to, in response to you, it's actually going to be a while even before they let us. Uh, right. So even in theory, even you aren't really supposed to be there. No, I am because, because you're, I'm considered an essential worker uh, for purposes of live streaming. And I'm actually allowed to uh, be there with a certain, with a certain number of people for recording purposes. So that's why you can see, you'll see like yeah, videos yeah, online of people recording in groups. Yeah. yeah. So for, for those purposes, I'm, a, I'm an essential worker. Yeah. Um, and that's how we're allowed to, to, to be in that space, but it's going to, it's going to be a while. That's that. Um, yeah. That actually buttresses my argument about the dispensation for, for a minion, because, uh, you know, even if we go back, uh, in two months, uh, and, and we've wiped out this, uh, this virus, it's not going to be the same for a long, long time. Right. No, not it's not going to be any two months. The, the reality might be well, that next year, sometime future. March, May, depending upon when we get the vaccinations. Right. I, I think outdoor worship is. Uh, I mean, I 
as far as I'm concerned, what, what I'm very proud of at Beth Am is that every time we've figured out something that is both safe and like desirable by our congregation, we've been willing to invest like resources, effort, creativity, everything to try to make those things work. You know, I mean, Dan, like that's what, Je- that's what I witnessed Jen doing as a lay leader. Um, for those of you who don't know, like Je- Jennifer is an extraordinary ritual VP in this way, like just investing a lot of hours and making it possible for us to just, okay, we're permitted to do, to do davening in this way. Let's do davening in this way. Um, and, and I think, I think that's how it's going to have to be for a long time, figuring out what is the permissible way that we can gather, whether that's virtual or, or not. And I also think that there's a secondary tier of questions, which is even once we're back there, what's the lingering reality for people who are going to be the third, fourth, fifth, and sixth tiers of people who are able to return. Because there are people who are going to be able to come back in the minute that we're able to be back there in that sanctuary. And there are people who are in a, a class health-wise and otherwise uh, who, who will not be able to return for quite some time. Well, and then there's well, people, well, people who are able, but uh, won't want to because uh, they still won't feel safe. Right, right, and the perception of safety, correct. It'll be a long time. Welcome, but I, I do have a question. I'm sorry. Oh, yeah. Um, you had posed a possibility of, of coming into the sanctuary during Rosh Hashanah, day one or day two. Was that with a clergy person present or no? You mean coming into the ark? Like coming in to go to the ark. So we're about to send out an email about that. It's not on Rosh Hashanah day one or day two. It's going to be over the course of the next couple of weeks. It's not on those days. It's it's before those days. But that email is about to go out. So all the clergy, we've already assigned ourselves to those days. We're ready to go. We're just waiting for the email to go for people to sign up for their slots to come in for those who feel comfortable. You know, I hear the struggle that Barbara is iterating and Joel was and every, a lot of people are thinking, like, um, let's move the halacha forward, shall we? This is almost six months already. And, and yet I've been around minyanim who are not able to do that out of respect for the halacha. Um, I heard just this morning an alternative for when a minion is not present physically, that you simply say a kavana and maybe a few words of the Chatsi Kaddish instead of doing the whole thing. Hmm. Like a Yikadav Yikadash Shemei Rabbah and then something about that? And then an offering to those who are remembering a loved one hmm. and, and leading a kavana with that. As a kind of an very nice. I I think we have to be um, extraordinarily inventive. Uh, I don't. I don't think we get to. I don't think we get to stop just because this is ongoing. None of us, and I. I mean, really, all of us. If you're here in this navigating the Mossor class, it means you care about liturgy. It means that you care about about shul in some respect. And I challenge all of us this season to think creatively about how not to let this stuff languish. You know, I, that's why I'm not just saying we're not going to talk about this page this year because we're skipping it this year. I think we have to address it and, and to make it present for us this year. So I am open to your creative ideas. I look forward to continuing the conversation. Uh, I hope you come to class next week. 
And uh, we still got a couple left. 